This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wood, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal Cast and YouTube. All right, guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal Cast. Uh, today, we're covering something we've touched on briefly almost every episode, it seems like, but we're going to go a little bit more in depth. Uh, before I give the topic, I do want to note that correlation does not equal causation. So we're not saying these things caused each other, but they're certainly correlated at the very least. Mm -hmm. And that is coverage or content creation linked to spikes in cards. Like yes. Saffron Olive obviously has an effect on that. That's a known entity. Uh, there have been several picks that each of us have had where we've said, you know, this is the type of thing that Saffron Olive is going to make a video of and 5-0 and it's going to explode. Yes. So uh, we've, we've got some specific examples that we're going to get into uh, along with, you know, data points to back that up as far as what percentages you saw, stuff like that. So with yeah. that, let's get started. All right. Um, so we have a, a decent list to start with. And I think one of the more interesting ones is going to be looking at uh, portal bears. Yep. Thanks to the legend out of Modern Horizons. Everybody yep. knew that, uh, I don't know how to pronounce its name. Uh, Ayula? Ayula, yeah. Was yep. going to pop uh, a few bears, but what nobody expected was, and uh, I have Graham's list from Game Nights, which is actually what a lot of people attribute as the cause, was that things like uh, Razor Claw Bear pops to $52. Bear Cub is now a $3 card. And the forest bear itself is a $40 card. Now, the latter two are just two twos. They don't yeah. do a whole lot. Uh, Razor Claw Bear, as uh, you saw in the image, that flashed up quickly, just gives plus two, plus so when it blocks. But you basically need all these bears to play Mono Bear Tribal. Yeah. That, now, this isn't to say that other cards in the list, like Words of Wilding, yeah, Wilding, yeah. Uh, the Onslaught Enchantment, that makes bears wouldn't also pop but specifically these portal bears just went insane in comparison to everything else and worth noting the floor on the portal bears stuck whereas some of the other cards like words of wilding they shot up to you know a 12 dollar card uh and that floor did not necessarily stick on all of those like no. now lp low on tcg is three bucks yep so whereas the portal bears were three dollar cards that shot up to you know, 60 to 100 and settled at 40. So they have a very high impact on the floor from this video, this legend, this stuff. So, yeah. One of the interesting things that I found, and I'm going to bring up the world, the word of Wilding Sucks, so you guys can see exactly what Thursday was talking about, was it's nothing until Horizons. It's everything, and then it starts to come back down. Razor Claw Bears is stuck, and it's always had a price point on stocks, but Bear Cub had a price, had no price point. Basically, it does not have historics yeah. to bring up and show you guys because it was nothing until Modern Horizons or thereafter when people started to buy into this deck a little more. But we can point specifically to a list on Tapped Out attributed to Graham from Game Nights that people are going yeah. to build one for one. Whether Rec shows this or not, that's kind of TBD because that's still a lot of user fluff, but we want to talk about exactly that flashpoint, and we have yeah. it. So... Uh, that's the first one. It was uh, the easiest one to kind of call out because it was very specific and easy to see. Yeah. Uh, another good one that we noticed was the Yortiller Nephilim spike that was right after a episode of Game Nights, uh, which, again, 
it, game nights tends to be a little bit more of a casual flair. We talk about how casuals drive the market, and yep. we talk about how EDH is such a huge impact. Uh, your tiller is interesting because it was the type of thing that, for years, people were just house ruling it as a commander for EDH because four color commanders didn't exist. Yes, we, we just didn't have them, so they were like, "All right, the Nephilims, you can use those, I guess." There's no reason they shouldn't be legendary. They have legendary effects, whatever else. So that was in November. And then in, uh, I believe, most years ago, a few years ago, I think. Yeah. Uh, and then there was a SCG versus episode the following April, which we'll post the link to in the description of the video, uh, that corresponds to when the foil spike occurred. Yeah. So... That one I like a little more uh, because you can see the Star City uh, video I was able to find that was released at the end of April and I've got the foil graph up now for stocks and you can see be, uh, shortly after the video comes out in April, maybe it's like two or three weeks later into May, it just spikes up infinitely and drops back down. It settles a little bit. But yeah. that's what we're looking for here is we're looking for cards that are just going to spike because they came in hot off somebody's... Uh, coverage somebody's video and whether or not they they held or they didn't that that's not the the point of the beginning of this exercise it's to say that yeah. the that there is legitimacy behind these spikes now you can no longer just kind of set them aside nope. uh, something we like to talk about uh, when content like this meant for uh, the more casual gamers started to come out was we really did attribute it solely to saffron olive to the point where we just called it the saffron olive effect yeah. And this is when leagues were brand new and in their current format where you could just play whatever you want and go 5-0. And people were jumping on cards that Olive was able to take to a 5-0 even in a casual league. So yeah. we'd see it spike on Moto, we'd see it spike in paper, and sometimes they would hold and sometimes they wouldn't. But it became this thing where, you know, the, uh, the videos went up on, on a certain date and the next morning you could expect whatever... As long as there was a 5-0 or a 4-1 attached to it, yeah, something from that list or multiple cards from that list to go. Now we have a much larger audience uh, paying attention to these videos. We have a larger number of players in the space for content across multiple formats. So we can start to see that the more you pay attention to people in that space, the notables, the people even coming up. Uh, Friday Night Paper Fights is something I, I talked to a yeah. local player of mine about a couple of weeks ago. I haven't really gotten into them yet, but it's going to be something else that we, you know, we'll have to pay attention to as time goes on to see, all right, who's playing what? How did it do? What's the reaction? Yeah. And I I think it's also worth noting that, you know, like both of us have said, there's so many different areas where these content creators can hit. You know, I'm a big fan of Spike Feeders and the Laboratory Maniacs. Yep. Because CEDH is great, and those guys are awesome from every interaction I've ever had. Uh, but they have, you know, as I mentioned a few episodes ago, that we're starting to see the CEDH boom. So that's the type of thing that, okay, let me check out the subreddit, see what content creators there are. Yep. Uh, casual EDH is where you want to start targeting. Find out the best groups for that, like Game Nights, for example. And obviously, Star City is a good starting spot for anyone. Yes. Uh, whatever you say about their website, the redesign is not great. But... They certainly do a good job of content creation and hyping the cards that they are using in their videos. Yes. And that's huge because it obviously ripples on down to pretty much 
anything you would want to do in finance. And I think that's definitely worth paying attention to. Sometimes it doesn't even have to be a card that they're pushing. It could just be something that cleans up. And this is a a kind of murky example that we have that I want to uh, bring up in a moment. But it took me a while to figure this out over the past couple of days. Uh, Exsanguinate is a card that's done work on multiple fronts for Star City. Uh, Stephen Green usually is the one that winds up playing it, not Parnell for some reason. Who knows? But good old Stephen Green. Yep, Exsanguinate's a little different because this this card has just gone up over time. There's no obvious spike until you really dig in and you look at the dates of some of the videos. I believe April fifteenth, twenty fifteen, is a video that they put out. Well, what happens between March and April twenty seventh when that video hits? Price goes up. There's another video, 2016, uh, November 23rd, and that one's a little harder to track down, and you can see that it just kind of flattens out. But this is one of those cards where when it swept up the first time in that game, there was a bump. Now it has exposure. They play it again. It continues to rise. And the more that people see this card do work, the more that they see it clean up a table, the more they see it on various uh, streams or videos, etc., the more that people talk about this, the harder and faster this card's going to go. And it dodged a number of possible reprints in the meantime, yeah. but it is a staple in black or mono-black decks. Black X or mono-black decks in EDH. Yeah, and it's it's worth noting, too, that if you look at where the this lasts since 2018, when it started like a very upward trajectory, you notice the set that that started after was Iconic Masters. Because a lot of people figured Iconic or A25 would be the spot that we'd get a reprint because it's kind of powerful for a standard format yep. uh, that isn't Orzhov-based. Yep. But at that point, we dodged those reprints, and now we've just seen a steady increase, mm-hmm. You know, compounded by the fact that Wizards, for now, is not doing Master Sets. Who knows? Uh, but we could, you know, again, see it in a Commander Set. But for now, that's you can see those mm-hmm. spikes happen and yep. see when that kicks in yeah and this is a card that also you can attribute the text to other cards as well in the sense that they're they'll run parallel right this hits every yeah. opponent at the table you'll clear out a table table you don't have to worry about recursion you just play the spell and win so yeah it's important to know that you can attribute this to other similar cards you know it's not the same as corruption or drain life or things like that it just gets the table very yeah. key um and like i said it's important to note that exposure in and of itself is what's going to drive things like this. And then when you look at the graph and you can see that, oh, it it dodged the IMA, it dodged the UMA reprint, and then it dodged Modern Horizons. And you can see that that's why the market and the average are just riding the way they are. And then the the last few examples that we have come from probably one of the most notable streamers in the last year or so. Yeah. We can probably go back and forth. If you want to take the first set, I've got most of those images up now. Sure. Uh, so this is going to be from Mr. Glugowski, mm-hmm. Pewter. The first one, April 30th, was when Neoform spiked. So Neoform got spoiled and everyone was like, man, this looks kind of ridiculous. And we have a link to the tweet that we'll throw up that was basically Pewter saying, this is what I'm going to start doing. And after that, Neoform took off. Mm-hmm. The deck was the hottest spice in the world, and that's when it happened basically yeah and you can track this one to the day which is awesome you look yeah. at chancellor april 29th nothing may the next two days later everything yeah and it's 
you know, especially compounded with London Mulligan. And this is this is a financial explosion that wasn't backed up by competitive performance. This didn't take down a bunch of events. It didn't become the deck to beat in the format. It was just a very hyped, popular deck yep. that a content creator, which granted, it's he's an MPL player, so he's obviously got some merit to being a good player there. Mm. But uh, he, he created the content, and shortly thereafter, this deck took off. And people, before it even did anything... We're already calling for a ban of Neoform. Yes. We're already saying the London Mulligan made the format unplayable. It turns out that was Modern Horizons, not the London Mulligan. That is correct. But I digress. Yep. And uh, on the 30th, he, he put out the... Or sorry, the 29th, he put out that tweet uh, with the original deck list that I brought up. I believe it's within three or four days later, he starts posting lists that 5-0... Uh, individual leagues because he's making changes and states in almost every one that the London Mulligan was not part of those leagues he was playing because that was yeah. he was playing in a time on Moto where the London Mulligan hadn't been implemented yet it, there was about a week or so of this weird time and then they got it for Modern and yeah. then and then and then eventually when Modern Horizons hit uh, Force of Negation kind of cleared the way and allowed people to play a more fair game and the deck fell off but this is a great example of there was no time to react if you weren't already paying attention. If you yeah. didn't have this person in your sphere of influence, then you were going to miss entirely. Yep. Similarly, Piotr, last weekend, or was it two weekends ago? I don't know. My, my timeline's out of whack. Tweeted about a Demir Splinter Twin deck that he was playing. So, he throws up a tweet again. January 24th at 5.14 a.m. Uh, EST, playing Splinter Twin and Pioneer. And what do we have? We have Blue Black Inverter of Truths. Yep. So what happens? Well, now we have a stepwise graph for Inverter of Truths, starting on the 26th. Hours. Hours later. Yeah. This card jumps. There was... Uh, a little bit of musing about Inverter when Thassa's Oracle came out. I've, I've dug up some of our conversations about it, but they were not really attributed to anything. We were trying to figure out how to make it work more in yeah. modern because that seemed a little more plausible. With something like Spoils of the Vault, we thought, oh, if Thassa's Oracle takes off, it's not going to be in Pioneer because there's not a lot of great ways for you to just flip your library into your graveyard or exile it. You know, we, we were looking at Reality Shift, which you've talked about before. There's still Leveler, which was yeah. a spike from uh, Jace, uh, Wielder. And then we, uh, the card that I pulled out was Spoils of the Vault, which is already being played in the Ad Nauseam deck yeah. in Modern, where you basically play Spoils of the Vault. It's a one black instant, and you name a card. And you reveal cards from the top of your library until you find the chosen card. Exile all cards. Reveal this way. Take damage equal to the number of cards exiled. Well when you are sitting under Angel's Grace or you are sitting under Phyrexian Unlife ways where you can't lo uh, lose life or lose the game, you exile your entire deck, play Thassa's Oracle for two, win on the spot. That costs three mana total, one black, two blue, to do that. Bam. So we were concerned with that. We were not concerned with Inverter or Jace at that point. Because we figured... Bad. Yeah, well... 
everybody kind of uh, ordered it properly for older formats, where Thassa's Oracle was the yeah. best because the ability goes on the stack and needs to resolve. So the only way to get rid of it is uh, Trickbind or Stifle yeah. or uh, the Slime, the Simic's... Uh, Slime instant, the counter spell or counter target trigger activator trigger. Void slime. Void slime, yeah. Uh, nimble obstructionist, cards like that. You have to be yeah. very narrowly focused to stop Oracle of Thassa. And then, then Jace, then Laboratory Maniac. Yeah. Jace is harder to deal with once it's on the battlefield compared to Laboratory Maniac. But we figured 4x Thassa's Oracle because it's eminently the easiest one to cast after you, you exile your library. So, Inverter. Just goes, uh, not overnight, not not as quickly as Jace does. It t- it takes a stepwise graph, and uh, I brought that up before. And a lot yeah. of the talk about this in particular one, unlike Neoform, which is just posting infinite results, was is this good enough for Pioneer? Is this good enough for people to adopt? Inverter of Truth at the time was essentially a bulk mythic. It, yeah, you could buy it for under fifty cents, and there were people in our discords that did. And they, they checked out somewhere between $1 and $3 because nobody knows, one, if if this deck does survive a banning, are people going to continue to play it once you know it's solved? Yeah. While your worst-case scenario is a 6-6 six, six flyer for 4 in Pioneer, you're still susceptible to counter magic. And two, after Phoenix this weekend, the format's basically wide open for another ban and restricted announcement. Yeah. You know, Watson said, and I'm glad they stuck to this, at least thus far at you know, quarter after 6 p.m. Eastern Standard, that they would not be banning anything the week before another large event, another competitive, a large competitive yeah. event. So expecting no ban for Phoenix. This has everywhere to grow and nowhere to shrink until Monday. Yeah. And that's, you know, every, everyone was calling for the ban today. Oh, it's got to get banned today. The deck is too good. It was yeah. 20% of the field or whatever. Like, or guys, what? chill. Like, give, give the meta time to adjust. And... Make sure that, you know, you you let the meta shake out. Because this is similar to, you know, Renin 6, Faithless Looting, everything else. As soon as oh, yeah. the deck is too good, oh, it's it's got to go. Ban it. Mm-hmm. Let the meta adjust. We have another pro tour this weekend where people are going to be gunning for Inverter. Oh, 100%. Because it was overwhelmingly represented at both of the pro tours or whatever you want to call them this weekend. But... This coming at Phoenix, which if you're there, swing by Moose Loot and say hi to me. Um, Get the plague from him. We we can see what the adjusted meta looks like. We can see if the meta does adapt. We can see if we should consider a ban. Yeah. Not before now. Correct. Uh, uh, the number I heard was 13% for uh, the Mythic Championship in the EU uh, day one. Yeah, but that doesn't speak to the win rate. I don't have those numbers. I don't know if they went up. Frank Karsten tweeted that Watsi has asked him to stop posting numbers like that, and he will be getting much less data in the future because more data is bad data, apparently. So, I I, I don't know if those numbers are going to be forthcoming. Yeah, but probably not. It didn't win. Uh, it was in the finals. Uh, yeah. Uh, the Mythic Championship, and it did not win uh, the Mythic Championship or Magic Fest, whatever it was, in Japan either. That was won by Bant Spirits. Yep. A nice, aggressive deck with Spell Queller. Like, just good, honest work there. So unless this is rampant in Phoenix and just takes over the format on Moto and uh, this week and Phoenix, I don't know if we'll see a ban on this. So my, my, 
my thought is that it's just going to slink away into the format. People are going to figure out how to play against this. The other yeah. card, the other part of this is Jace Wielder of Mysteries, a card that came in very hot in regards to price, slunk down uh, once War of the Spark hit, bumped a tiny little bit, and yeah. then just did a whole lot of nothing until recently with Thassa's Oracle. Or not, sorry, uh, Inverter of Truths, because this is the way you win in Pioneer. And this yeah. is kind of a an ironic happenstance, because my bonus pick for this week was actually, based on our topic, was going to be Chase. Because last week, shortly after uh, Piotr started playing Inverter on Moto, the Star City video that went up on Wednesday for Commander Versus was an Oathbreaker video. And yeah. John Suarez played Jace Wielder as his uh, Planeswalker with Reality Shift as his Oathbreaker spell. Thassa's mm -hmm. Oracle Laboratory Maniac. John basically played this deck in Mono Blue and Oathbreaker. Oathbreaker, and I honestly thought that would move the card more than the Inverter deck. I didn't think the Inverter deck was good enough for yeah. Pioneer where it was. So, this is another twofold thing. It also so happens that Jace Wielder is a decent uh, Oathbreaker general, anyway. Yeah. Uh, it works with Paradigm Shift as your spell, yep. so that both pieces of your win condition are sitting right there in the command zone, yep. which and is great. Yeah, you can see that on the, the Oathbreaker, Oathbreaker subsection of uh, EDH Rec, which is a section yeah. I trust a little more because there's not a lot, there's not a flood of information yet. People are still yeah. just kind of getting it out there, getting it out there, getting it out there. So, you know, in the coming weeks, what are we going to pay attention to? It's going to be coverage because I think we get that for Phoenix. We get yeah. uh, MPL coverage. They announced the team for the next large arena event. And Is that, yeah, that's next week, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. And then between then and now, I believe Star City is off this coming week. They're back on, and we're still on the Mono Pioneer train. So that means if uh, anything happens with the Inverter deck, chances are any innovation is going to come from uh, Golgowski yeah. in this format. Other people kind of took what he did and ran with it. Uh, what lended the deck legitimacy was Martin Juza posting about it sometime mid last week, where he went nineteen and one or something like that in leagues. Once I saw that, I was like, okay, that's it. Yeah, people this is this in. is real. Yeah, people are going to move in here. Yeah. So if you're going to pay attention to Pioneer and Pioneer Finance, that's where I would look. I would start with uh, Glogowski. Yeah. First and foremost, and then if you're going, if you want to go more EDH style, like we like we like to do usually, you know, you have your work cut out for you. We generally pay attention. If not both of us, people in our Discord pay attention to game nights, uh, Star City. Uh, I think the professor does some stuff every now and again on yeah. EDH. Uh, you know, we follow Spike Feeders, so we get all their stuff. You know, you gotta you gotta dig in and start paying a little more attention or lending more credit to you know these personalities that are out there just doing the work for you to increase the value of your collection or kind of point you in the right direction when it comes to. Uh, specs or finance or flipping in general. Yeah, like it's no longer the, the world where GP results come out on Sunday or PT results come out on Sunday and then everybody buys what was in the top eight and plays it the next week. You know, that's not where we are. You got to you got to move with the times. And they're changing quickly because it used to be Professor was it, Rudy was it, and now that you know or. Saffron Olive, as we were wont to tout, was it. 
And now that's just simply not the case anymore. Uh, it's gotten, growth has become exponential mm-hmm. as quickly as possible. And now there are a lot of different facets that you have to pay attention to yes. in order to get ahead. And again, it's better, in my opinion, to specialize. Pick the area you want to go in and stick with it. Yep. So pick the content creators you want, or if you want to dabble, pick the two or three best ones and go from there. I, I agree, definitely. And it's going to take some time for you to figure that out and uh, kind of separate uh, f- fact from feeling. Like, I feel like yep. this person's the best It does come down to visibility and those you might not like some people who have larger subscriber numbers or a larger audience compared to others but you're going to have to yeah that's just it that's how you're going to that's how you're going to get ahead sadly yeah but so for the main topic that's it what you got for me for a pick all right so i am going to go for kunaros the extended art so the reason I'm picking this is because, as we know, there are a million variations of literally everything. Yes. Now, every card has 40 different versions, uh, full art, different art, foil, non-foil, whatever. At any rate, the extended art of this card is barely more than the pre-release foil. Mm-hmm. The low for the regular one is $0.45. Cents. The low for the extended art is $2.50. Okay. This is one of the most efficient cards for every format in Magic that they have printed in years. Yep. Uh, it stops a breach, which has been absurd in Legacy. It's been putting up decent results in Pioneer, and people have been experimenting with it in Modern. It stops Storm. It stops Dredge. Those decks exist in every Eternal format. And as long as they do... This this good boy is yeah. going to be worth it. And I think that with these extended arts, uh, we're gonna I would expect we start to see production on these go down a little bit more. And you'll start to see the low hanging fruits of these start to rise. And right okay. now Kunaros is one of the low hanging fruits of these full arts. Uh, lands notwithstanding, I don't really count those. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Um but in terms of the rares, it has the most utility, it has the most playability, and I think it has the most upside. Thassa's Oracle being another one. Mm-hmm. Especially when you take a look at the foils currently, uh, wow, there are only six listed. As of Friday, when this pick was locked in, there were 32 listed under foil. Oh, sorry, I have the LP filter on. 41. So it's gone up since. My bad. That's because Near Mint is now eleven dollars. Jeez. Barely three times what the non-foil is. Now keep in mind they've increased the number of foils you get in packs, but they've increased the number of regular foils you get, not the full arts. Yep. So I just feel like of the recent experiments with these full arts, this one has the most potential room to grow, as well as currently the lowest floor. Yeah, I like this as a card. Uh as a whole when they spoiled that we, we talked about it a bunch and trying to look at you know what does what in standard and how do you deal with the possibility of the oven cat deck or just mono black devotion starring <laughs> nightmare Shepherd. my cat just made an appearance when you mentioned oven cat so <laughs> perfect how do you deal with that and aside from graph diggers cage which is a universal answer you have kunoros Yep. as uh, an, a very good on-rate card. 
The only thing yeah. I dislike about it is, are the keywords. I don't like menace on there. I'd rather have uh, death touch, but that's oh for sure, yeah. That's just me being picky about the card. A uh, three three for three with enough of these abilities with vigilance and lifelink itself is decently on very efficient. Yeah. yeah. So there's a good chance that this card goes down a little more if nothing in standard really does much. And I don't know if this is enough to bring back uh, an Abzan style deck uh, in modern, but this definitely affords Pioneer a little bit of reach into the graveyard, which it only has in the form of, I believe, Graftaker's Cage and yeah. Line of the Void. So uh, it's going to be good there. Whether or not it's, it'll be good enough in modern to take care of Breach, that I don't know. Yeah. Just because modern can move faster than you can cast Breach in combo. Start to come in the same faster. turn, yeah. yeah. Then, uh, then Pupper can really get online. So you might be able, might just yeah. be able to get out ahead of it in, in modern. Otherwise, uh, I like the pick just because it's been a card of like since they spoiled it, and it definitely has room to yeah. grow, especially if standard goes back to a graveyard style uh, meta like it used to be. Yeah, which it seems like they're trying to get to with uro that card is busted in half yeah so. yeah absolutely if the titans take over that's a good point if the, if the titans do actually start making an appearance in standard then then you'll probably see uh Kunuros go up and then kaya shortly after yeah because right now she's basically a bottom <clears throat> bin planeswalker with nothing to do too slow to yeah. really deal with the oven cat deck because she works at sorcery speed but if you have to leave things lying around like the titans then she can sweep them up yeah you know and just because uh the pupper's blocking access to the titan doesn't mean Kaya can't eat it still. It, True. It, it just both of them solve your problem if one is yeah. one were to be removed. So I like it overall. Um, I'm curious how long of a spec it's going to be, but I think it's it's a nice pickup, especially now that we're past release weekend and all the CE Croft has been opened. So yeah, uh, my pick is going to be sticking along with the uh, straight and narrow of EDH, and I'm going to go with uh, my pick is going to be Mirage Mirror for this week. It's not quite a pet card. Uh, it's just a card that I've liked since release. I thought it was criminally undervalued, and shortly after picking it, it's just gone and gone and gone. You know, I picked this uh, four or five days ago, and it's moved. I think close to dollar dollar fifty cents. Uh, yeah. it's hard. The reason I like this card isn't because of the amount of decks it's in an EDH rack. It's only in four percent of of decks on wreck uh, of everyone possible which is less than other artifacts in the space the yeah. closest comparison would be phyrexian metamorph which is in two times as many decks but at twice the cost but it's also a constructed staple for yeah. older formats this has appeared in modern it has appeared in legacy it has appeared in vintage it also has a Phyrexian Monosymbol, which definitely mucks with the price point on it. Yeah. So this is just a, a unique effect that exists in EDH, where you just get to change what Mirage Mirror is whenever you need to. And yeah. that allows it to just do ridiculous things. Unless it is reprinted, which I thought it would get in uh, Eldraine. It is in the Theros Beyond Death promo packs, which is worth noting because in about a month is yeah. when you should buy in. Yes. Because then they're there going go. to flood. Just like my Sunbirds in vacation pick, I'm going to keep getting hoist until the day I die. <laughs> but I, thought, pay off one day. I thought Mirage Mirror was going to get the, the reprint in Eldraine because it made sense as the Magic yeah. Mirror. You uh, know, kind Mirage of Mirror, like, flavorly, like flavor-wise, that's spot on. Yeah. And... 
ironically, after the announcement of the the Theros Beyond Death promo packs, it's still gone up. Uh, we will yeah. see it flatten or come back down after those. But this is an extremely unique effect on an artifact that's hard to find and easy to abuse in EDH. And I'd, I understand why it's not in CDH because it costs five to do its thing. Yeah. But this sure. is something that can and should it's not be still, slept on. Yeah, I, it's it, still... And it, it may see play in CEDH in some lists. I know there's a couple now, some Teferi lists are running it, uh, but it's... I like this pick a lot. Yeah. I I think it's, you know, Depths can run it in Legacy. It, it can literally replicate any combo piece you need. That's And that's... Yeah. Right? That's why I like it. Like, Panharmonicon is a busted card, and every time uh, you can replicate that effect, you should. And Mirage Mirror allows you to do that on another permanent that's very hard to deal with, especially because you can give it Hexproof at a moment's notice as long as something with Hexproof exists on the battlefield. Yeah. Like, yep. This is just a tricky, tricky, tricky card to, to deal with, and it definitely deserves a price point that is north of $5. So, Agreed. Uh, like Thursday said, this is definitely something, if you can get it now, get it. If you can wait on it for a couple of weeks or a month, uh, you'll probably be able to pick it up at, the at, you know, sub three-ish, maybe sub four. Yeah. But it's not a card I imagine sticking around at this price point for a very long time. Uh, no. I did not do my due diligence when it comes to um, population, just because it's not a card that people ask for. It's never a card that really kind of piques people's fancy. But yeah. keep keep your eye on that. You'll see it start to dwindle eventually, and then that's the moment to move. Because once it starts, it's gone. Yeah, for sure. But I think that's going to close us out for this week. I think so. Next week, we might be a little delayed because we have to record late on a Tuesday. Yes, I will be this weekend at the GP slash Pro Tour vending. So feel free to pop by Moose Loot, like I said. Say, hey, what's up? If any of you are out there... Tweet us. We can get dinner, something, whatever. There you go. It'll be sweet. Uh, other than that, taking a look now, there are 118 listings for Mirage Mirror at LP or better on TCG Player for non-foil, which is not a lot, but it's not that great for a card that we're expecting to, to move soon. Probably once it heads towards 70, that's when I would expect this card to take off. But yeah. closing out this week, we are at MTG Cup Hallcast. I am at Haltion Reptar on Twitter. You are I am at Thirsty Sizzler. You can find us on YouTube, on iTunes, on Stitcher, maybe yep. eventually Spotify when we feel like doing that. One Otherwise, day. keep leaving us <laughs> feedback, and we'll see you next week. Yep, see you later.